When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. To left center, deep, gone, Brewers lead it. And a swing and a miss, he struck him out. Down the line, and that's the ball game. Hey Brewers fans, it's another episode of Brewers Unfiltered. I'm Brad Ford, the social media manager for the Milwaukee Brewers. I'm joined as always by the lip synchronizing Tim Dillard. He's got this intro down, guys. I know and what then, you're going to say before you say it. <laughs> <laughs> and then baseball dingus Adam McAlvey. Yes, that's good. I like that. Mm. I'll take that. So, guys, uh, Adam, you're still in Arizona. Tim, we're back home. Yep. You know, Arizona wasn't the best series. Uh, <laughs> you, you happened to hit... <laughs> You Ooh, happen to hit a bad Brad. team when they're playing at their absolute best. Yep. And, I mean, note that the team that the Brewers are battling the most right now in playoff standings lost to them yesterday and were shut down yesterday as well. But wasn't a pretty series. But, hey, we won the first one in Colorado. Adam, what are your takeaways from the Arizona series? Uh, yeah, exactly what you said, that do not discount that they caught the uh, the D-backs at the at the worst possible time. And it it strikes me that remember when the lockout happened, the Brewers were supposed to have opening day against the D-backs at home, right? Mm-hmm. And the thought was like, ah, oh, you know, if you're really like if you're really diving into the schedule and reading too much into the schedule, you you almost don't want to play a a team that's expected to be bad early. You want them late because things will be kind of bad. <laughs> And early, who knows, like you'll get their opening day pitcher, obviously, because it's opening day and you'll get things exactly lined up right. So like on paper, it was like, okay, maybe this will like, well, it turns out to not have helped at all because the D-backs, if if my numbers are right, if my memory, because now, as you said, they just beat the Padres on Labor Day. I think it's, they've won 10 of their last 12 and it's been against the White Sox, Phillies, Brewers, and Padres. So all teams vying for the postseason, the White Sox against all odds are like in the playoff picture. So D-backs are playing awesome. And the Brewers caught their two best pitchers, Kelly and Zach Gallen, who's like in the Cy Young conversation. I mean, he's, he's pitching incredibly. Um, so bad timing. You, look, you gotta be, you gotta be good teams to be in the playoffs, obviously. But the point is that they just happen to catch them at the exact wrong time. Yeah, I gotta love when you end up facing a pitcher who is on what a, going into the game. I think it was a thirty-eight inning scoreless streak. Thirty-four and a third going in. Yeah, thirty-four and a third going in. Literally, all their starting pitching seems to be their strength right now, and their starting pitchers are as hot as they've been all season. Tim. When you're going against a team you know you're supposed to beat, but they're this hot, is there anything that, is there any like mood changes that come from the clubhouse when you walk away and you only take one game out of a four game series? How does that kind of affect a team? I think you go into every game like we're going to 
we're going to beat the snot out of these guys. Like that's how you have to have yeah. an attitude. Doesn't matter who's on the other side, but they, you're right, Adam, they, they caught the diamondbacks out of they're They're red hot. They're like Hansel right now. Just red, just super hot. <laughs> so hot, right? So now. hot right now. Uh, eight of their last 10. Eight. That's a good modern reference, <laughs> but it, you know, that's why this game is 162 games because everybody should be allowed to play everybody at different streaks throughout the season. So, uh, that that's just kind of the way it's laid out. If if you don't, you know, if these, if if you say it's kind of like, well, they shouldn't beat these guys. It's like, okay, well then you're vying for like a thirty game season, because everyone should be allowed to go through these even flows mm-hmm. um, of a season. But the Diamondbacks were just they were just good, and their defense too. There was a lot of plays that I think the game hinged on, and then I think some balls were hit really well that didn't go anywhere. Um, I, I, well, if we're really diving into it, the the play that stands out to me, Tim, is in in the Zach Gallon game, the last game. I yep. think it was second inning. Tyrone Taylor hits a ball in the gap to in right, right center, center field yeah. gap. That right there. And Dalton g- Varsho, who's from Wisconsin, should know better. Yeah, and is a catcher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's caught like eighty something innings or a hundred innings or something this year. <clears throat> yeah, like I mean, it's that crazy. was a huge play that would have snapped Gallon's streak at like yep. thirty five and a third and completely change the, the game to change it would have changed everything yeah. so i mean the brewers are right in it yes they should have you know feel like they probably should win every single game uh but sometimes it happens I, I like the way they bounce back though the colorado game um on monday was was good i thought they played great how do you keep when you're losing games like this and not just against the d-backs but obviously the brewers have been in one heck of a slump over the last few weeks how do you keep the clubhouse kind of motivated and like, what do you, what do the players around you need to do to keep like the players motivated? What do the coaches need to do to keep you motivated and keep the clubhouse atmosphere healthy and keep the guys in a positive mood or, you know, confident in a streak like this, Tim? Ooh, me? That's a tough question. Uh, No, the coaches just stay positive. They should be the most positive people. Um, in the entire clubhouse, players are allowed to be negative. Sometimes you ask any of these hitters, man, they, they probably are very negative about their performances. A lot of times ask a pitcher, you know, Hey, how you feeling? Like ah, I'm, I'm you know, working on stuff. Coach has got to be super positive. But one thing I've seen from the team is just, there's, there's been f- three or four or five guys that just bring the energy. They do Adamas yesterday or Monday during the game, um, against the Rockies. He had a, ele- he made 11 outs in the field. He was everywhere. And he didn't take one play off because that could have been the factor of the game. Telez over at first, his defense and offense were really great. He's bringing the intensity. Jace Peterson. Some of these guys are going up there going, I don't know the vibe in the clubhouse or anything like that. But when you're not going through a spell where you're just beating everybody, uh, you have to you have to show everyone else like it doesn't matter what you're going through. You're going to go out there and play and you're going to play with intensity. So I think right there it's staying positive from the coaching staff in the clubhouse and bringing the intensity onto the field. That sounds cliche, but I'm a broadcaster. I can I have permission to use. You can do that now. now. Yeah, they gave me a badge, <laughs> hologram sticker. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we get a you card know. that we keep in our wallet. <laughs> I think one of the things, though, is over the season the Brewers have made some difficult decisions that have you know really cut down on the veteran leadership in the clubhouse, and maybe they don't have the the old souls, the experienced baseball minds that can kind of guide the guys. Uh, where they need it and that's a calculated decision you need to approach when you're a GM or you know any of the decision makers and how to divvy that up 
Adam, who do you think really fills that role right now? And how do the Brewers kind of deal with a lack of veteran presence? You know, it's funny, Brad, because a couple of people have asked me, like, who who leads this team? And, I, you know, look, I'm not I'm in there for, you know, an hour a day, if that. So I cannot pretend to know the answer to that. I would think Andrew McCutcheon is a really important guy for this team. He has a lot of gravitas. He's done a lot in the game. He's um, just has a, a lot of respect of the other guys. I think he is really important to what's going on. I think Jace Peterson is really important going. Uh, I always hear players that uh, when they're talking about going through something difficult, almost always it's like I was talking to Jace about this and this. He just happens to be that guy who uh, just his personality guys go to. And those are kind of the two names that I always meant. I think the pitching staff is its own animal, and they have plenty of guys with Burns and Woodruff who've been around. So I don't think that's as much of an issue. Um, and look, I mean, it's obvious to people who I, I think people who listen to this podcast have been reading, I hope, what we're writing and watching Tim on the broadcast. And they know that play, a couple of players have shared some pretty spicy opinions about what's happened in terms of clubhouse chemistry and that it's been a different kind of year. And I think um, I respect Craig Council and his coaches and David Stearns in the front office for letting players say what they want to say. Um, this is a democracy to, to a large extent and, and players are allowed to have opinions. And hopefully those conversations are also happening behind closed doors because that's the way you get through those times is by like sharing opinion. Like, look, this had an impact. Um, hopefully it's not just saying it to me. Hopefully they're saying it to each other and <clears throat> meaning like the players with the coaches and, and with the front office. So those conversations can be super healthy. The other thing I'll say is the best cure is winning. Um, there's so much made in our sport about like good chemistry. And in my experience covering a wide gamut of Brewers teams from very, very bad to very, very good to, you know, jumping up and down when they went 500 (laughs) that one year for the first time, um, there is, uh, chemistry is, comes from winning largely. And, you know, there's no 70-win team that has great clubhouse chemistry. But there are a lot of 90-win teams that have great clubhouse chemistry. Tim, again, Tim always has a better insight on this than me. This is just my, like, sort of outsider's perspective. So um, the other thing I'll say that is related is one week makes such a change. This season is so long that we think of things in these big chunks of time. One really good week, a five in one week, changes the whole vibe. Um, and where they're at in the wild card standings is enough to make a huge difference. So I would just caught, uh, people are very down, and this team has not played well for a long time. Um, but it's people are like, ah, I'm checking out, I'm done. Don't don't be done just because one one week might change your outlook a lot. Um, and they're just searching for that week. And are they capable of a week like that is the question. They have one three-game winning streak since the start of August. So they're going to need a couple of three-game winning streaks. And are they capable of doing that is, is, a, is a valid question, and, and they have to show it on the field. Well, they're playing a schedule that can hopefully help them out with it. They have, over the next week, Colorado, San Francisco, which isn't bad, but isn't nearly as good as they were last year, and Cincinnati, Tim, what's the biggest thing that needs to happen for this team to get things turned around? 
biggest thing um just put it all together at once yeah <laughs> i mean that's really all it takes you're talking about that big week and you go back to last year the cardinals i mean what do they do they won like 20 in a row or something and got hot towards the end something like that um the brewers clinched so early last year and i i think adam you talked to adamas when he was saying well maybe this is what we need that to, to get that momentum to go into the playoffs i i think I, I think Craig Council's right the other day when he said there's plenty of time. There's plenty of time. It doesn't matter how you get to the playoffs. It doesn't matter. Just get there. Get there. You have a chance. You know, and, and yep. people always talk about the spark and stuff like that. Like they, you got to create some of that stuff and you got to put it all together at the same time. Last uh, last time out when Hauser um, fills in for Freddie and, and his first five hitters, you're going, oh, my goodness, nobody's out. <laughs> there's runs in. Two runs in, like, what's going to happen? Here we go again. And then Hauser says, I got this. And he he gets 15 guys out in a row. And he does it efficiently. And he does it on the ground, just getting weak contact over and over and over again. And basically wills this team to get into a position to win the game. Bullpen's been doing well, especially on this road trip. Um, and the hitters scored some runs. That really is all it takes. It takes one individual performance to kind of put that moment. If you, like Caratini. Caratini yesterday had the only walk in a game. He had the only home run, three-run homer, and he also had a single uh, in the eighth. So that right there kind of just shows that you just need somebody to step up in the right moments. And it can't just be offense all the time, and it can't just be pitching all the time. you got to have some. You got to have a couple of good performances from, from either side. I'll just jump in because I totally agree with Tim that this is – it sounds so simple, but it's putting it together because the – to me, the story of the 2022 Brewers is that no one is having a great season. No one. Like, name their team MVP right now. Well, let me go further and say maybe that's what it took, a, a whole team effort. They're yeah. not just jumping on the back of a big name that's yep. just having the career year. And so for them to do this like this is going to be more profound. It's going to taste sweeter. Hey, we didn't go get you know five guys worth $100 million and just carry this club or sink it. So I, I mean I think it's gonna be it's gonna it's gonna be better. They're doing it with the group that they have in the clubhouse. So I think that's a big deal. Sorry to interrupt, Adam. No, no, it's fine. I mean, I, I just it just stands out to me that um, you know that that I think one of the stories of the year is that they don't have guys outperforming expectations. I'm sure we could think of somebody, but I can't right now as I'm sitting here. Um, they've had good contributions from guys we didn't expect it, Peter Strzecki and and such, but. Like if you're talking about the core guys in the lineup, no no one's having a great year, and and that makes it really difficult, and it may, means that everything needs to click at once, and that's not happened. I think one of the most interesting things about this season is <clears throat> if you look at social media reaction, and I say this every week, that's a really bad idea, but I still do Don't it do because that. I'm addicted, I'm an <laughs> addict, it's in my bloodstream, and I need to <laughs> wean myself off, but I can't. The the I think the take is. The offense stinks. That's like if you ask someone walking down the street, tell me about the 2022 Brewers, they say no offense. That is not the story of this team. The pitching is just as culpable. It's I was just looking. They're 12th in ERA. They're like slightly below the median in FIP, which is a good like fielding independent stat to measure pitching. Their, their pitching has not been elite as they expected. So you need those two things to sink, and they haven't. On many, many days. And that's why you're going through that. That explains the story of the season to me more than just trying to blame it on one thing or the other. It's everything 
has just been a little bit meh. And <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't exactly explain it. It's just the way this year has gone. There is a very rare thing happening Thursday in baseball. Um, something that has only happened a couple times, actually, in the history of the game. A double header at American Family Field. You know, that changes, especially when you're in a stretch without many off days, uh, a lot of strategy heading into that game. Adam, how does the crew approach this week, knowing that they have to play two games in a day? Well, I think originally there were some ideas being floated about how to handle the pitching. It was Corbin Burns in one of the game, and then they had plenty of options for the second game. Now the answer was kind of came to them by pushing Freddie Peralta a couple of days to give him a little more recovery time. It sounds like the idea is that he'll pitch one of those games Thursday, and I presume Burns would pitch the other game. I don't know that the Brewers have, as we're sitting here, put that like on paper yet. Um, but that's kind of the expectation that that I would have. And, um, you know, having Corbin Burns pitch one of those games is good. He's one of the guys that, I mean, his number, when you look at his numbers as, as a whole, another very solid season, but just in terms of what the expectations were coming off the Cy Young, it's not been as, you know, it's not, the, especially lately, it's not been, he's not pitching up to his own expectations. So, um I think that those are two guys that are really, really important to what's coming next. And we get to see them both on uh, Thursday. Well, you look at Peralta. I wonder if that was always the plan. You know, they needed, they knew he needed rest and they're like, you know what? It's a big day. You, we got to win at least one of these, you know, double header days, right. To not lose a ton of ground. So you almost think, okay, they went and uh, made sure Peralta was going to be rested. And then if, if it is going to be Burns, then, um, that's a pretty good combo they have. Adam, do you know if the doubleheader, if they're going to be like, it's a day-night doubleheader, or is it just like... No, it's a straight doubleheader, straight right, like, like minor league yep. doubleheader? You go grab some hot dogs in the clubhouse? It is and like, they're back exactly. It's like, it's like a yeah, one it's ticket. Like yeah. Three o'clock, they, they go out, they play. One ticket, one or two games. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. There's no and telling what you're going to see. And they're both nine innings. Is that what you're going to say? They are both nine innings, oh, yeah. yeah. Because, the, because the players themselves were asking that the other day in the clubhouse. <laughs> and in Arizona, they were like, are these seven-inning games? Is this a straight doubleheader? They knew and it was. Another they were kidding around. I don't know, Tim. <laughs> to me, it's like another example of ball. You know, we like fans, we spend so much time thinking about the vibe in like the last month, <laughs> and the last two months, and what's ahead on the schedule. And we all look at all this and, live. you know, eh, it's a tough been a tough couple of weeks for everybody i'm telling you the players all players they don't look ahead past the first pitch of that day's game it, it is conditions like, you it, man it makes you that way i don't know why i don't know if i was ever that way is just you know you don't you just kind of show up and as long as you're there on time everything else will fall into place you don't yeah. think too far ahead you don't look too far in the past Maybe I was always like that. I have no idea. But baseball definitely conditions you in such a way where you can just you can literally enjoy the moment and not worry about anything coming later. It's a good I had an, I had another one where I forget what who it was or what the circumstances were. But it was uh, someone said something about like, oh, the, the other day this happened, yada, yada. And I paused and I looked at him like that was two months ago. <laughs> that, that wasn't that was the last week of June. <laughs> it's now September. That was a couple more than a few days ago. But it's, the, it's how they do it, man. I don't know. Well, we need to take a break. But when we return, we're going to talk about a guy whose name has come up a few times, Freddie Peralta. And are there any concerns with him being pushed back? 
But most importantly, we're challenging these guys to trivia. Stay tuned. Welcome back. It's time to challenge two of the worst humans <laughs> on the planet at trivia. Oh, thanks. To trivia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, trivia. my no. God. No one's going to want us if we play Trivial Pursuit on their team, which is not fair. I think Tim and I would be a really good team. Well, you go to the bar, they do like that trivia night. I'll never get picked. Ever. <laughs> when we were in L.A., Matt Arnold talked on the bus about how he's good at trivia and it's kind mm. of a uh, like, you know, strength of his. And he doesn't want to go anywhere near you two. Yeah. He didn't say that specifically, but I just know he's thinking like You can feel no, it. I, I, yeah. yeah. These guys are gonna bring me down just by being in the same space. <laughs> well, the NFL's about to start. Yeah. So we're yeah. gonna do a little football trivia. Mm. Here's how it works. Get a point if you get it right. If you get it wrong, your opponent gets the steal. Adam leads the season series four to three. Wow, we've played a lot more than seven. What episode are we on? So I, I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, any episode without an interview, there's been two, and yeah. I'm pretty sure there's been more than seven questions. Mm. Now, a reminder as well: Sophia won one of those for <laughs> Adam. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Well, yeah. that's okay. We're a team. Yeah. So, guys, are you ready? Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. Don't lie. Question one is for Adam. Hmm. Adam, who was the first player in NFL history to throw for 4,000 yards in one season? Was it Dan Marino, Terry Bradshaw, Roger Staubach, or Joe Namath? Oh, geez. I was going to say Dan Fouts, and then he's not even one of the choices. Well, no. 4,000 yards. You're welcome. We took a wrong answer away from you. Uh, Roger Staubach. I'm yeah, going to say, Marino. okay, I, I, oh, go ahead. this might be too late. I'm going to say Dan Marino. That would be very incorrect. Oh, that's, that's what I was going to guess. So thanks. Oh. I believe he's the, <laughs> I believe he's the first, what? 5,000 yards. Yeah. Bro, that's right? why. Oh. Cause he put up huge yards. I thought, oh, maybe yes. this is a trick to make me think it's too late and undefeated earlier. Yeah. Um, hmm. Tim. Best kicker. First player Ray in Finkel. NFL history to, <laughs> to throw for 4,000 yards in yeah. one season. Yeah. Terry Bradshaw, Roger Staubach, or Joe Namath? I'm going to say Roger Staubach just because of the way you said it. Oh, man. I uh, While saying it, I was like, man, there's a certain inflection there that really implies that that could be the answer. No, Boy, am I leading it? Tim God, to, to go man. and be wrong again. Oh, because geez. it was Joe Namath, Joe Namath who became yeah, sure. the first in 1967 as quarterback for the Jets. All right, Tim. Which of these players has the most career sacks? Reggie White, Bruce Smith. Julius Peppers or Kevin Green? Oh. Uh, I'll say Reggie White. And, you know, I think a lot of Packer fans might feel that way too, but they'd feel pretty wrong. Uh, Adam. Okay. Bruce I'm going to get this one. Julius Peppers or Kevin Green? I'm going to get this one. Okay. I, I, I'm thinking. I I'm thinking. I don't believe you. I'm going to say okay. Julius Peppers. <laughs> it's got to be Bruce Smith. And, this it, it, hey tim 
if you could get a point for your third try, you would get a point. <laughs> but unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> Bruce Smith is the only player with 200 sacks. Then it goes Reggie White with 198. Oh, God. Green with 160. Oh, so I picked the guy who was the fewest. With 159 and a half. I think you picked both the guys who were like so removed from the era. It was supposed to be like the giveaway, not the answer. Yes, guys. exactly. Yeah. I'm over. This is called overthinking. This is what a hitter in a slump. You should have mixed in a. You should have mixed in a wide receiver just in case one of us would have. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh my god. Jerry Rice. Yeah. Uh, Jerry Rice definitely sacked a lot of people. <laughs> All right. Well, the season series stays at four to three again. Oh, that's it? There's a lot of L's in there. Oh, my so. God. <laughs> I promise this is not a bit, and we are trying to get these correct. Clearly, it's not a bit, but I, when's the last maybe, time we did any trivia we need... about Star Wars? <laughs> not once. So uh, I think go. we did it in May, oh, literally. I'm sure I did. Yeah. How about candy <laughs> trivia? Candy trivia, I would absolutely nail. Board game trivia. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'll convince Ezra the next time we do trivia to limit it down to three answers. Start handicapping these things for you so oh we get some God. points. Oh, God. You're giving us the bumpers as we bowl. That's the equ- <laughs> trivia equivalent of putting out the bumpers. It's, it's, it's not just the bumpers. Like, there's a guy at the end of the lane with a broom to push it in for a strike. Like, <laughs> the Bumpers have been up. (laughs) All right. For the first time in a few years, we're talking baseball. For the first time in a few years. No. For the first time in a few years, Corbin Burns has looked uh, human, for Mm -hmm. lack of a better word. Especially since the All-Star break. Tim, you're the pitcher. I know you're going to say no because you're the pitcher. But... Are you concerned at all with his struggles lately? Or what do you think could be the cause of some of his difficulties behind the mo- or on the mound uh, in terms of getting guys out and getting, you know, or limiting runs that hit the board? I mean, I'm concerned. I, I, don't, I don't know if I'm concerned or not. I just <laughs> call a game sometimes the way I see it. And what I'm seeing is basically if I'm a hitter going up to the plate, if there's one thing that I want to know is what's this guy going to throw? Like, what does it look like? And right now it's his cutter and his slider that are getting hit. Uh, they're batting 600 on a slider. And I wrote this one down 347 on the cutter in the last four games. So in the last four games, maybe his slider or cutter maybe hasn't been as good, but it's just the movement of that direction. Like the downward across movement that these hitters are going up, going, one of these, you know, two of these three pitches are going to be moving away from me and maybe slightly down. It could be a cutter. It could be a slider. And they're sitting on movement. And that's what they're getting good swings on. Um, what's interesting is you start looking. The curveball has been really good in the last four starts, even though, you know, he's given up runs and hits um, in 20 and two-thirds innings. The curveball has been good and the changeup because those are stark contrasts to the cutter-slider movement. So I think what you're going to see going forward probably in the next start is probably more change-ups and more curveballs. Even if your cutter is good, if you have enough people in a lineup that are just sitting on it, it makes you feel like you got to be perfect with it. And that's when you start walking people. And he's not a walksman, but uh, he has been walking of late. So I don't know. I, I think it's just that that movement away from a righty that you know has the cutter-slider movement that hitters are just absolutely sitting on. Adam? You lived 2019, Corbin Burns. Any concerns here? Um, 
Well, 2019 Corbin Burns didn't have the cutter. Remember, the cutter was born after that in the lab, which I still am fighting to get into. Like a petri these, dish. Yeah. One of these years. Yes, it was born in the lab. <laughs> uh, it was his four seamer that had this kind of unique move, movement and was getting hit really hard in 2019. So they massaged it into this otherworldly cutter and it carried him to two great years in a row, including a Cy Young Award. And all year this year, all the way back to the very beginning of spring training, we have gone in there to talk to him, and he's been displeased with the cutter. That pitch has eluded him all year long for whatever reason, and they're wor- they've worked really hard on it. It's just not been what it was last year and where he wants it. You know, the standard set last year was utter perfection, you know, as close to perfect as you can be with one pitch. And I think he is um, really fighting to find that again. And I, it just stands out to me. The reason I say that, and I'm glad you mentioned 2019, is I think it's worth remembering that that's not a pitch he's been throwing his whole life. He's, that it's not a pitch he has years and years of experience of, okay, if he doesn't have that good feel for it, here are the steps he's taken before to get that good feel back, and he can repeat that. He's kind of finding this as he goes. So it's, it makes it, I think, more challenging that he doesn't have long history. And I think that one pitch more than anything else, explains his current stretch. The one thing I'll say is just talking to him, it's been really interesting to me because for the first several months of the season, we'd go in there, and he'd have pitched like six innings, two hits, one run, ten strikeouts. And he would say, boy, I'm, I, I pitched really bad. I really got away with one. I'm paraphrasing, but but I really got away with one there. I didn't pitch good at all. And he, you know, Will Salmon of The Athletic did that fantastic story about how he journals and how he goes back and listens to or goes back and watches his his outings and scores every pitch and does the execution percentage and it was way lower than he wanted. So he was like always kind of displeased and searching for this next thing. Now the last four starts, the results are not good on paper. And we go in there and he says it's almost like the last couple he said he he's pitched better than the box score. Um where he's actually pretty happy with the way like the Arizona game the the most recent one is he was pretty happy with the way he threw the ball there every time he makes a mistake he felt like it was getting hit somewhere hard so I don't know exactly what to make of that it just strikes me as a huge change in what he says to us what he says publicly after his starts um and I don't exactly know how to read that maybe it's it there's nothing to read. It's just that he really does feel like he's pitching great. And every time he makes a mistake, because that happens to everybody, every time you make a mistake, instead of getting away with it, uh, it's getting hit. So it's it's that really has stood out to me in his postgame interview sessions the last, uh, you know, really the last kind of month. I think one thing that I look at is whenever a player starts to struggle like this, um, I look at okay, what has changed historically? And like, is there anything we can know about like the change of performance? And I think one thing to note is shortly before this kind of streak started happening, not only was he pitching on five days rest, but he was going well past the 100 pick mark a few times consecutively. And, you know, he hasn't really done that in his career. Last year, when he really had the bulk of his outings, it was a six man rotation. Uh, And, Two, he was pretty, I mean, later in the year, they definitely loosened like they have this year in terms of pitch count, but he was pretty held tight to that traditional 100 pitch mark. So I do ask, like, 
I know Corbin's happy with his execution, but is there anything to him potentially having to deal with a slightly more intense workload over this last month than he's done before in his career? Well, I'll just jump in first, and then Tim can answer more about, like, from the big picture. how. But to me, one thing that sometimes we forget is it is now late August, early September. And if you look just historically, look at any hitter, and I bet you 8 out of 10, their best month is August. Um, and the, the side effect of that is that pitchers' numbers are often poor in August. There's a lot of offense in August for a lot of reasons. It's great hitting conditions. It's the dead of summer. Uh, and then the pitchers have a lot. They're, they're in those dog days where they put a lot of innings on their arm and they are kind of need to find that second win for September. So I think that's another part of this that is we should kind of remember is that he's carried a heavy load and now he's searching kind of for that finishing kick. Um, and, and I think that's a, a factor in this as well. Well, you're talking about pitch counts or and, and innings pitched and all that, and but that's part of the game. If you play long enough, you're you're gonna reach those maxes at times, and it's September, right? Your job is to go out there and grind. It, it is, it is. If you're a position player, and I think that's maybe one of the reasons they brought Freddie. Freddie probably could have used a couple of more weeks off before he came back, but I think they were like, you know what, we need him out there. I think Jace Peterson probably could have benefited from a few more weeks of not, you know, being activated, but they need him out there. You just, you have to just suck it up and get out there in these moments, especially when you're trying to hunt down a wild card, right? You know, there's some things that money can't buy, but for everything else, there's wild card. You got to get out there and, and just give it all you have because there is nothing after this. After October 5th, they can rest all they want. You know, that's what I always told the guys in the, in the clubhouse, you know, when things start, you know, everybody's getting tired where it's like, now's the time. Now's the time when you watch everyone on other teams, you know, start to cut back. Well, let's cut back on the innings. Well, let's cut back on the playing time or the whatever that is. No, lay the hammer down. That's what you do. You go out there and you play. I'm not feeling the best. So go out there and play. Like I'm not dogging the players. I'm just saying as a player, that's the mentality you have to have. Uh, in these moments when you have a chance to do something special, um, the worst thing you can do is, is is take your foot off the gas. Anyway, as Tim dogs the players, another concern <laughs> yes. that we have is Freddie Peralta, you know, they're giving him a few extra days for recovery. He's shown dips in his velocity as of late, which is a concern for a traditional pitcher, but I'm not sure Freddie Peralta fits the mold of a traditional pitcher because we've seen velocity jumps throughout his career. But Adam, are there thoughts or any worries behind, you know, his need for some extra time between starts? So, and, and that velocity change. And the fact that the couple of recent starts have been cut short, uh, you know, 82 pitches pulled after six innings, throwing a no-hitter, and then even fewer pitches the next time out, 74 pitches, I think it was, in his subsequent start where it was five innings, one run, two hits. He was throwing the ball, and he, it seemed like he was getting going in that next one. That's where, I, where it really opened all of our eyes when, when they took him out. So I think, yes, there is um, a concern level there because of health, because they did bring him back. They brought him back at like the 65 pitch mark or so when he was in those minor league rehab outings. And I think Tim's right. They felt like he can help us. He can be an extra arm and and give the you know the impact of that was it gives at the time gives Ashby those extra days between outings. Ashby ended up going down. So it's 
there's been kind of a domino effect of things happening. Burns struggling, Woodruff or uh, uh, Peralta kind of being limited, Ashby getting hurt. All these things have kind of created this cycle of sort of not what you want in your starting rotation. Um, and they're having to push certain guys a little bit. So, yeah, I think there is a concern level about Freddie. And, you know, Freddie wants to be out there, he says. But I, I do also kind of credit him. I credit Chris Hook and Council, even though they're trying. You know, they, they know the situation. They know they need they need to win, like, a lot of games in September to, to overtake these teams and get into that playoff picture. But I, I, I do kind of credit them for having the communication lines open enough to make this decision if they feel like it's what they have to do I think one of the things that's most concerning watching Freddie for me is I feel like the swing and miss in the last few starts has not been there which is very uncharacteristic he's a pretty big strikeout guy Tim when you're watching a pitcher like that and you're seeing you know a reduction in their strikeout numbers and then limits in their pitch counts and they're leaving games earlier and they're going longer stretches between starts what type of thoughts do you have about what could be going on with that pitcher i mean i wouldn't look too deep at it because he's done well he's giving up contact weak contact he's getting outs um which is sometimes tough if you're a strikeout pitcher and you're not striking out everybody i think we saw lauer kind of go through that for a month where he was a strikeout pitcher for most of the season and then he for whatever reason just the strikeouts weren't there and the fly balls being a fly ball pitcher started to get over the fence Um, But I think Adam hit a huge point when talking about hitters in August, because if you go back to almost anyone in the starting rotation, their strikeouts were down uh, throughout August. So I think that's just kind of the kind of par for the course for most players across the board in the major leagues. But um, I wouldn't be concerned about it. He has so many weapons. He has so many weapons. The curveball came out of nowhere. (laughs) You know, Freddie fastball, you know about the slider last year. Then all of a sudden his curveball is the, the most amazing pitch to come out of his hand. It's he's adding and subtracting. He's throwing it with arm speed, uh, fooling hitters left and right. So he has enough, he has enough weapons when he's on the mound that it doesn't matter if he strikes somebody out or not, he can, he can just pitch. And I think that's the line that Craig council and the trainers are trying to play him because he's not, uh, I don't, I don't want to say he's a hundred percent like he's hurt. I just don't think he's come back as as to a hundred percent of of what he what we were used to seeing him as a starting pitcher so they're playing that line of okay let's look at up downs I think that's what got Hauser on Labor Day is the up downs rather than the pitch count um, and they're trying to they want him out there but at the same time they've got to protect their investment right they got Freddie for a while the last thing you want to do is push him too hard in September lose him and then you end up losing him for the next year so I think props to them for getting him out there but also at the same time listening and being very attuned to what is going on and saying, okay, there's a huge bigger picture, but we're going to, we're going to test the limits as much as we can. All right. We need to take another break, but when we return stat of the week time, we'll be back. And we're back guys. It's, it's everyone's favorite time of the week. What's that time? stat of the week (laughs) tim i know you've done your homework i know you have a stat you've discussed it before always he always has a good stat i don't always have a good stat always every adams has a story adam's like to be and then it's like this eloquent (laughs) 
Or it's all loophole I discovered yeah. to save myself. <laughs> all right, Tim, set of the week, do it. Yeah, quick to the Statmobile. Um, all right. Oh, did you? Can I jump in? Did you? My favorite part of this week, by the way, was on. I happen to have the Bally broadcast on my in my ear at one of the games in Arizona. I was just oh, cool. listening to Jeff and Rock, and they were promoing Batman Night at the ballpark. Mm-hmm. Brad, I know you know at the top of your head what date that is. Hmm. September tenth. Okay. So Batman. <laughs> so so did, did you guys hear this? Where Levering is like na 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 na, and then there's this pause, and Rock just goes. Batman. No. <laughs> like total deadpan. Instead of being like excited, it was the best. Sorry, I totally interrupted Statley. I was like laugh. I'm in the press box laugh. It was so funny. Listen, if you were Rock talking about Batman. Rock is so easily funny sometimes. Yeah. Like unintentionally. Well, I mean, that sounds bad, but it's He is. We can talk funny. Batman. I'm cool with that. Like he's just naturally funny. Tim. Okay, sorry. Stat of the week. Stat of the week. Stat of the, okay. My stat of the week is second. Second, right, for the Ed McMahon. Uh, since All-Star break, Brewers are second most in baseball in home runs with 62 home runs. And, I'm going to keep going, second most in the MLB in walks with 157. The MLB. That just broke my brain. The MLB. Oh, that. sorry. Well, I'm trying to sound eloquent. But, no, uh, yeah, they're second in home runs and second in walks since the All-Star break. So, I, I enjoy that because if you're going to hit a bunch of home runs, um, a lot of times you're not going to have those kind of walks. So the Dodgers are third in both of those categories behind the Brewers, very close. But just shows you that good teams, and we're talking about the offense, I mean, they're they're doing something pretty amazing. They could use some other hits as well, right? <laughs> they did have two out hits the other day. But um, a lot of times if you're hitting that many home runs, the walks are usually not that high. That was a bad stat. <laughs> no, that's a good stat. What are you talking about? That's a good stat. I just crashed the stat mobile. Adam. Well, Tim talking just made me change my stat, and I just quick did a baseball reference search. My stat was going to be their postseason. I'm going to mention it. And I'm going to do, Brad, I'm going to do two this week. Didn't Tim get to do two ones? Uh, yeah, sure. Okay, 43.1% was going to be my stat, which is the fan graphs, the Brewers' postseason odds on fan graphs as of this morning. And look, that's just for fun. It's just a simulation. It doesn't win you anything. But to me, it's illustrative of like the the simulations, which are actually like pretty sophisticated. This is all a simulation, Adam. It is not. The Brewers (laughs) postseason odds are not 2%, in other words. Some people have like kind of checked out and gone to fantasy football season. Um, They have a real chance still where they are in the standings to crack this expanded wildcard picture. So like I would, I mean... Obviously, we're all invested in this, but like I would encourage people to kind of stick with us because September could be really interesting and it's not like over yet. So that's number one. But here's number two, just because I mentioned it the other day and there was a lot of engagement on it. Um, How I mentioned that you can't just say the Brewers are bad because the offense is bad. So my my second stat of the day, stat two is 81, which is the number of games this year in which the Brewers have scored at least four runs. And four runs is this magical number in baseball because you have a their their winning percentage is astronomical when you score four runs in a in a baseball game, and eighty one is the fourth most times scoring four at least four runs in Major League Baseball. The only teams with more are the Braves eighty two. The Braves have one more game than the Brewers of scoring four or more runs. 
the Red Sox 84, the Cardinals 85, and the Dodgers 91. The Dodgers are otherworldly. But think about that. The car- I, I would say most serious baseball people would say the Cardinals' offense is better than the Brewers' offense. But the Cardinals have scored at least four runs in a game four more times than the Brewers have as we sit here on Tuesday morning. So it's not as simple to blame hitting, pitching, one or the other. I, I think it really does help tell the story that this is just a problem of sinking those things more nights than not. And that's what it has, they have not done. They have not synced those things for a couple of months now. My stat is 10. 10 different people. Which is the number of minutes I just took to tell my stat. <laughs> no. <laughs> 10 different characters have worn the Batman cowl in the comics in expanded universe or uh, in in the traditional Batman universe. Wow. Batman night, September 10th. Are you going to name them? Um, I can. It's Dick Grayson, Jason Todd. I mean, Bruce Wayne, of course. Jason Paul Valley or Gene, uh, Gene Paul Valley. Um, Tim Drake. Love the Drake. Da-da, Damian Wayne, Thomas Wayne, uh, when he was evil. Terry McGinnis, who, of course, is Batman Beyond. Jim Gordon. That was a fun one from Scott Snyder's universe. And Superman. What happened to Adam West? Uh, that's an actor. <laughs> that's that's. I'm kidding. Yeah, I'm actually watching the Batman the animated series on HBO Max. Nice, fantastic. Yeah, there's like the first season has like 60 episodes. Yep, <laughs> and the storytelling is quite amazing. I just watched the Manti Teo documentary. Can we do a segment on that next time? Uh, how many times has Adam been catfished? <laughs> is that a cartoon too? <laughs> Um, all right, Adam, who is your favorite childhood band and or musician? Um, I actually have a, well, my first concert, I think we've established this was Paula Abdul. So I had a rough start musically, but I, I did, I did rally because I really loved the Beatles when the Beatles anthology came out. I got really into that where you get to hear their outtakes and how they like develop the songs. And I was like fascinated by that. So I don't know how much... I wasn't that young when that happened, but I was young enough that I like just ate it up. My first tape was the Jets. Oh. Remember the Jets? Yeah. Remember tapes? <laughs> yeah. Remember tapes? Yeah. Tim. Anyway, the Beatles. The Beatles. Good one. Tim, nice. your favorite childhood band or musician? Beach Boys. Oh. Oh. That's good. My uh yeah, my uncle owned a record store called Album Alley in Tupelo, Mississippi. And for my fifth or sixth birthday, I got uh, Beach Boys Greatest Hits, and it changed my life. I had that cassette tape. It was with me all the time, played it whenever I had a chance. Um, so, yeah, definitely the Beach Boys. Uh, mine was. And they're, and they're still good. And they're still good, by the way. The music still is good now, as good as it was 30 years ago. Mine was Nirvana. The Yankees come to town in a few weeks, and right now Aaron Judge has 54 homers with about just over three and a half weeks to play. Roger Maris has New York's record with 61. Is Judge going to beat it, Tim? Probably. The other day somebody asked me if Pujols was going to get to 700. This was like a month ago, and I was like, I don't know. I was like, he'd have to get a ton of home runs, and he's gotten a ton of home runs. Yeah. So... I don't know. You kind of hope it doesn't happen against the Brewers, but I mean, the, the writing's kind of on the wall three and a half weeks and the guy averages a home run, what every like seven at bats or something. So eh, there's a good chance. Yeah. 
Adam? I'm going to say no to judge because when you get that close, I feel like you start trying to do it, and that's a bad place to be. So I know that's not that fun. I'm going to say no. And I am going to echo Tim about Albert. In my head, I mean, I'm rooting for that guy. I think he is a all-time baseball player. Easy, obviously, easy Hall of Famer. And the Cardinals are in Milwaukee to start that final homestand, 27-28. I know how Brewers fans feel about the Cardinals after all these years. I know how they feel about Albert. I definitely know how they feel about Yadier Molina. I am so hopeful that that's like a respectful send off and that those guys get a huge standing ovation because that's the last time Albert says for sure he's done. I mean, they keep asking him, what about if you're close or what about if you get, and he says, no, this is it. I really, really hope that the stuff about, you know, the devil magic and all the frustration of watching the Cardinals and the 11 uh, getting bounced in 2011 by the Cardinals and all that stuff is pushed aside and that people give them a gigantic standing ovation because that's the last time you get to see two all-time great ballplayers play in this city. That's a good point. That's my pitch. That's a good point. You've heard it here first, folks. Adam's a secret Cardinals fan. <laughs> Don't forget to follow <laughs> and heckle our hosts. You can go and give Adam a hard time. Oh, you Adam McCalvey on Twitter, Instagram, you and absolutely Facebook. absolutely have to. You can, you can dislike also him and read respect. his work at Brewers.com and comment about how he's a secret Cardinals fan there, too. <laughs> Don't forget to follow Tim Dillard at Tim Dillard on Twitter and Instagram. Watch him on the pre- and post-game show on Bally Sports Wisconsin, but maybe don't heckle him while he's on air. Of course, make sure you only say the nicest things to Brewers on Brewers at Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And we'll see you next week. 